The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Most of us are the same in this regard. Whenever we're doing something difficult in life, whenever we're going through something difficult in life, we want a timeline. We want to know how long. Specifically, we want to know when is this going to end, when it's going to get done, when will I be through with this, when will I be out of this. Difficulty is not something that human beings relish, most people at least, at least difficulty that is outside of our control. And so we spend our lives, in addition to everything else we must do to survive, seeking our best within our power to minimize difficulty. Or if that itself is outside of our ability to affect, we at least do our best to understand it, to understand what it is and why. Life in the fallen world that God has placed us in is certainly difficult, is it not? Sure, of course, there's lots of joy, lots of happiness that each one of us knows and experiences in our life in various degrees and seasons, but there's also a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty and sorrow. David calls it so well on the psalm that so many of us love and have said at funerals and probably many of us once spoken at our own funeral. This life is us walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's an apt description of the news. It's an apt description of our own lives. And that, of course, is certainly nothing new to us here. With joys comes sorrows. With life comes death. And during some season... Some seasons of our lives, difficulty and all of its accompanying negative feelings seems to even define life itself. And when that's the case, I think for the Christian in particularly, it makes the visible absence of Jesus Christ itself all the more difficult. Coming up soon, we're going to mark that visible absence of Jesus in our liturgical church calendar, which we follow here at Calvary. We're going to mark it as we celebrate his ascension into heaven, his going up into the clouds and being hidden from the disciples and ever since the church's sight. Yes, of course, he's still here with us always as he promised, particularly in his word and his sacraments. But he's not face to face with us, not right in front of us as we are, you and me, in front of each other. And he won't be that way until he comes again in glory, until the end of all of this. Until that day, we Christians, his church, 
we yearn, we long for the reassuring, the comforting, and the visible presence of our Lord Jesus, the Son of God. That yearning is something I think the disciples knew all too well at the end of Holy Week. Not just because they were, like us, fallen human beings that had their difficulties in life, but because they knew the anxiety and, yes, even the fear of not having the Lord Jesus, their hope, their assurance, their comforter, and their friend visibly present with them. Before the events of Good Friday happened, he warned them, read the Gospels, it's all throughout, he's getting them ready as best as he can, even though they don't understand it or believe it. But he says to them, as we heard again today, a little while from now, you're not going to see me. And sure enough, several hours later, after he spoke those words from John's Gospel, it was so. He was arrested, taken by the mob, put on a show trial, put up on the cross, and killed. He was taken from them, and they did not see him. And as he said, when that happened, what did the world do? What did those who were not themselves believers in the God of creation, the God of the word, the God of the promise do? The world rejoiced that this man, this teacher, this rabbi, this usurper Jesus was dead. The world rejoiced, and the body of Christ, the church, wept in sorrow, that God had been taken from them by wicked men, and then they had no certainty, no hope, and no comfort. And the difficulty that they were going through at that time seemed to be insurmountable. It seemed itself even to have no end or no sign of an end. I think it's very true that if anybody resonated with those words from the 23rd Psalm, Going through the valley of the shadow of death, it would have been the disciples between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. But that's it. It changed on Easter Sunday, didn't it? Everything that they were experienced, everything they felt, everything they knew to be sure, certain, true, and set turned around. For a while they didn't see him, and then they saw him. He met them face to face, proving it was not just wishful thinking, an apparition of some sort, or an imposter, but he was the risen Christ, the Lord of glory, gloriously resurrected to show it was him and that he had conquered death. And in that instant, or at least once it sunk in, they were able to process it, their sorrow that he spoke of turned around and turned into joy. And if you think about it, if you ever think about the story of Good Friday and Easter in the Bible as we have it, the reality of it, the history of it, I think in retrospect, the fear, the difficulty, the hardship, sorrow, and all of that the disciples were going through, it wasn't even necessary. Those feelings that they had that probably were completely driving them and certainly drove them to lock themselves in the upper room, they were pointless. Had they listened to Jesus, not just listened, had they believed Jesus and what he said he was going to do, his predictions, and had they believed him, all that they had to do for those days, groups of hours really, between Good Friday and Easter, was wait, was to be patient and wait. They should have said to themselves, this looks bad, he's dead, 
hanging on the cross, now in the tomb. This looks bad, but he promised that he was going to come back. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He fulfills it. He said he's going to die. He said he's going to rise, and he will rise, and then we're going to be good to go. The time between Good Friday and Easter was not the first time that God's people had been in a situation like this. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, especially the Old, you see plenty of periods that are characterized by suffering for God's people, the church. But in each one of those stories, and we know them because they have long since had their start, middle, and conclusion, there's an ending to that suffering for God's people. An end to the waiting. Even though 400 years is a long time to be slaves in Egypt, it had an end. A deliverance of God from that difficulty. The time of Judah's captivity in Babylon was certainly no picnic if you've read the major and minor prophets talking about it. But indeed that too ended. And so too did the fear of the disciples in the upper room. And that's the moral of the lesson and the takeaway that I hope all of you remember after today. The darkness of the shadow in the valley of death that we are living through, just as life in this world, or that each one of us in our own turns have had to and will have to live through before we go to be with the Lord forever. That darkness is on the clock. There's a countdown clock till its absolute conclusion and ending. The darkness of the valley of the shadow of death doesn't last forever. The light of God will, absolutely will come eventually. And in the meantime, us Christians who are walking through that valley ought to live in hope and expectation of the light. If you take the gospel lesson being placed on the fourth Sunday of Easter that we have here, as it's intended, I think you'll see that we truly are, as Christians, living our lives now, 2,000 years removed, in complete parallel to the disciples between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Like them on Good Friday and the next day, Holy Saturday, we don't see Jesus. The world and all of its wickedness and hatred of God, its creator and redeemer, is rejoicing, and we are sorrowful for that fact. Our Lord is visibly hid. He's visibly not present to us. And that, coupled with life's difficulties, does, in fact, I'd say, compound our weeping. But if we take the time to stop, to remember him, to remember specifically his promises and his words of comfort and assurance for us, that puts our weeping in check. It reminds us that the darkness has never lasted forever. It won't last forever. The night is not endless. Winter, in spite of the weather the last few weeks, will end and spring will come. Of all the things that it means, Easter, for the Christian, means that the sun and the warmth will break through. Jesus says it. Your sorrow's going to be turned into joy. That's what happened for the disciples on Easter evening. They got to see Jesus again. For that reason, their fear vanished. 
They could leave that room that they'd been locked and hiding in. And they could finally come out. They could live in the bright light of God's glorious and eternal day. And that's the takeaway for us now, a couple of thousand years removed from them. Though sometimes it seems like this world only ever has shadows or is chiefly defined by it, we know the end that's finally coming. And it's a good end. It's a happy end for us who are in Christ, for we who are in Christ, it's a glorious end. Not good for those who glory in the darkness and God help them and God draw them into the ark of God's holy Christian church. But that end is very good for you and for me and for all who love Jesus Christ by faith. He himself has broken the seal of death and where he's gone, his people will follow him. That's his promise to you. So let that promise illuminate your lives, not just on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening when you wake up. Remember your master, your risen Lord Jesus Christ and what he has promised about you who are his by faith. Let the resurrection of Jesus Christ be more real and certain to you in your day-to-day life than anything else, as strong or as certain as that might seem. Not because I'm saying it in a sermon, not because it might even help you have a better day that day, but just because it's actually true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means death will end one day forever. The sorrow that you endure in your life, the death that each one of us in turn is waiting for for ourselves, it's nothing compared to the glorious and raw power of God in Jesus Christ. So don't live out your captivity, as it were, the visible absence of Jesus and lament or any sort of hopeless weeping. Don't let the sorrows that you know consume you. Don't hold up yourself in an upper room with a door locked out of fear. But live your life facing east and looking for the dawn of God's eternal day.